This is the Strength and Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, we are back with yet another extra Strength and Anger uh, episode. And, you know, Eric, uh, with today's guest, you know, you and I have been talking about for a while how we expand the Strength and Anger brand and kind of get out there and, you know, try to get to the masses. And one thing that I've kind of figured out is that world domination is eventually in the cards. And if we're going to do that, eventually we've got to cross borders. And so today we have our very, very first, and hopefully it's recording this time, Strength and Anger International Interview. We'll get back to that, that we actually missed recording part of the first part of this interview. So, Chanel Nolette, welcome to Strength and Anger. Thank you very much, Dan. Yeah, so I know we had to do that again, but that's okay. So, <laughs> cool. Hey, uh, you know, you and I have been talking quite a bit since the WPO. We've gotten to know each other a little bit. And, I, I've, you know, you even said you've got a pretty interesting story. And so I was thought it'd be really cool to kind of have you come on. Uh, obviously, you've got a history at the WPO. You know, folks don't know. I think you'll have a really cool story to tell when it comes to that. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, outside of powerlifting and just kind of let the folks know who you are. So um, I am Canadian. I am born, uh, I'm the daughter of two very French-Canadian parents. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, French is my first language. Um, I was very involved in the punk scene growing up, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up falling into butchery at uh, around 21 after going to school for personal training and advanced health and fitness. So it was sort of still working within the muscle world. but in that, that actually kind of makes sense. So you go from punk, which is very anti-establishment, you get the... Uh, information about physical training. It's like, hey, cool. Now I know how to physically train people. Now let's cut them up. So it all kind of meshes together. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, you, you, get, you get into the system and then you fuck the system. Exactly. So, yeah, you just tear it apart with a knife. Exactly. Anarchy, anarchy. I don't know what it means, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that's pretty much the short and sweet of it. I guess I recently moved it to uh, Kitchener, Ontario here um, about a year ago to train at a gym called The Warehouse, mm-hmm. and I've been working at a, like, pork processing plant out here, so, like, a, a nice, nice old slaughterhouse. Okay, so nice. Which, which makes a great name for a gym, too. Like, I think that'd be an awesome name for a gym. There probably is a slaughterhouse oh, gym somewhere. Oh, somewhere. my gym actually was the old slaughter plant. They should have named themselves the slaughterhouse. Oh, 100% they should have. They, they have the- Dude, they had the, they have there's a track in the floor where they I guess used to rail them in or whatever. We have like an old I don't you guys don't have Schneider brand in America, do you? Uh, Schneider big, brand, no. We have the trucking company, but not the Schneider. brand. Okay, we have we have this big Schneider company brand. They make like hot dogs growing mm-hmm. up. Wait, maybe didn't um what was that movie? Didn't uh, Dumb and Dumber have a Schneider hot dog brand in it or something? Uh, I think they might have. Yeah, maybe. the little the, like the little mini weenies. Yeah. Oh no. That was a dog van. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there was actually a van that would go, like, it was in the commercials and stuff here anyway, and it was a Schneider hot dog thing. Oh, it was like the Oscar so, Mayer wiener. Actually, 
yeah, yeah, okay, okay, but yeah, so yeah, maybe that's, anyways, we would make appearances and stuff, I'm pretty sure, and then we have the, the actual house that it started in about a couple blocks from the gym, and I guess the gym building was the first place where they, I guess, started processing to make these products for this company, and now it's just like a unit building, and we just happen to have the one with the bay door where they used to bring in the hogs and stuff. So. Man, I just feel like that is a massive miss on a marketing. Yeah, they should have named themselves <laughs> the Slaughterhouse Gym, undoubtedly. <laughs> anyway, but I'm glad you have a place to train because the warehouse is still dope. Yeah. And you said that's outside of what major city? Uh, I'm in Kitchener, Ontario right now. Okay. Now, where, where is that, like, along the U.S. border? Like, how close is that to where? So, it's actually pretty convenient. So, I'm about three hours from Detroit. Okay. Um, and I'm one hour from Buffalo, uh, if I wanted to cross the Peace Bridge, I believe. No, gotcha. that's New York. Uh, the Buffalo, I don't know, the Buffalo Bridge or whatever. If I wanted to go to the Buffalo Airport, it'd only take me about an hour and 20 minutes. The border was empty. Oh, nice. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I suppose yeah. right now it is pretty empty since non-essential travel is still, uh, still right. Unfortunately, it is very Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about you were kind of into the punk scene and that, you know, kind of into music when you were younger. Did you have any background in sports before getting into powerlifting? Uh, no, not at all. My parents have tried to put me in things like karate and um, I think soccer. I don't I, Maybe not even I think I do remember karate, but it never really lasted. I never really was into sports. Um, I... Ended up going to shows with my cousin at a really early age. I think I was about 13. Mm-hmm. And those were just local shows about, um, I don't know, like a 30-minute drive from my house at the time. And we'd go and come back and did that for a while. And then ended up branching out and meeting friends in the scene. Ended up hanging out with those guys a lot. Did that for a few years. Ran with a couple different crews. Ended up going to shows in Toronto. Um, which was about a good, like, it was a trek to get there. But, you know, if we, if, if a couple of us from where I was living at the time, which was sort of the suburb area, mm-hmm. wanted to go out to a show, we'd all pile into, I guess, uh, like, work, uh, like the metro, is that we call it in the, the metro, yeah, it's like a, basically a train system, yeah. yeah. So we call it, like, the go train here. So we'd all pile into that thing and just file off to the city, go to a show, come back that same night, usually take, like, the last, bus or something when the go trains weren't running anymore uh, just do that kind of thing like sure. very very frequently so, um, so this is my ignorance because i i was never into like punk or rock or anything like that like my like my musical taste is for the most part hip-hop so generally because i'm white i didn't go to the shows um <laughs> so <laughs> describe so it's describe one of these shows to us like this took one just why so i have context on it but are these like the the ones I see, like, YouTube videos on where, like, people are punching, kicking each other. Is it just people are kind of vibing, like a Bob Marley-type show? Like, kind of describe one of these shows to me. I'll tell you the first show that I went to that sold me on it. Sort of okay. like, it, It's actually funny because there's a parallel story of, like, powerlifting for me, which is hilarious. I'll tell you after. But I love it. The, uh, <laughs> the first show I ever went to, the first real punk show I went to, was small. it was in a small venue mm-hmm. in Oshawa, Ontario. It was a crappy dirtbag town white trash it's 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 perfect it's i'd fit right in it'd be great <laughs> yes oh it's amazing so <laughs> we had this venue called the dungeon it was in a basement it wasn't ever taken care of it was just a hole in the wall where people or kids would go and just go to shows or whatever 
And this band, uh, a Canadian band called the Daigle Abortion from Vancouver, came and played. And I went. It's <laughs> quite the name. <laughs> oh Dude, they're sick. They're awesome. They're, Say the name again for the, for, the, for the listeners at home. The Daigle Abortion, if you want to look that up. They're from Vancouver. Okay. I highly recommend it. It's um, That's amazing. <laughs> we had a guy here who liked Dying Fetus, who was a, a yeah. death metal band. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's like a death male band. They're cool. I've seen them live, too. Um, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get along with Justin Seepy if we ever found him again. Yeah, there's if he, a lot. He comes out of there's, there's a lot of them. I don't even... I, it's funny, because you get numb to it after a while, I suppose. You don't even realize what you're saying. Like, when you go, yeah, I'm going to a cattle decapitation show, you know? Just, <laughs> it's not even... You don't even think about it. Um, we had a fake band yeah, here that so we would we would mess with our teammate who was into heavy metal. We called it Cheese Grater Masturbator. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh, that's good. We said that it was so underground you had to go to their parents' backyard to listen to them. You, you couldn't even oh, buy their good. CDs. Yeah. No no streaming, that's no. Awesome. So underground. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. Close Satan, like a tent, you know? Like, yes. Only Hmm. Oh, sweet. Yeah, perfect. I've been to shows where they've had, like, lambs and stuff. Not oh actual lambs, like, not live lambs, but, like, the lamb heads and stuff and the blood and all that. So, so my yeah. only experience with any shows, like, again, I, I didn't go to many hip-hop shows because, again, I, I'm white, but when it was around in Iowa, when I lived there, I would go, and the only thing is you just got so high. Because everybody's smoking. <laughs> like, that's all it was. Like, everybody, just, you're just stoned as shit when you come out of there. Like, that was the only thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a lot of metal shows were like that too. You get that cloud going, and See, I, 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 I bet it wasn't anywhere near that. One time, I almost saw Snoop Dogg outside. And I nice. Put, I don't know. He's he playing outside somewhere, and I was just walking by, and I happened to notice. I probably could have snuck in if I wanted. That's awesome. I think it was busy. So, so you go to your first show, and and what happens? So I'm on the floor, and I guess it was my first show. There's like mosh pits and stuff, or whatever. Sure. It usually shows you. Um, the punk shows, like, there's different types of mosh pits, uh, usually depending on the style or depending on the, well, I guess, the style of band or the, the genre of music that you're listening to. So uh, with the punks, it was mostly just, like, hitting each other and trapping, like, just throwing each other around a lot. So he, like, 14 years old at this, at this point, this was, like, uh, probably, like, well, yeah, I said I started going to shows at 13. Those were more like soccer bands, and this one was like the band that came from Vancouver. So, but it was my first real show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up getting into the pit, and I just remember getting like just mastering around. Like, I just got fucking hit so hard, and I fell. And these two guys, without, I swear to God, I didn't, to this day, I'm like, I don't even think I hit the ground. Two dudes, two big-ass dudes grabbed me by the, each arm and lifted me up and just put me right back on my feet. Wow. And just I just kept going after that. I was like, that stuck with me for all of these years. Like, that moment where these dudes, like, because even in the scene like that, like, they won't let you get trampled. They're not going to, they'll take care of you. Like, if, if they see you struggling, if they see you on the ground, like, looking for your glasses, they'll, like, Usually, if they're not assholes, they'll like make room, make you like let you like at least help you or something. So it's it's almost like mosh pit spotters. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's and, awesome. Um, I found my new calling. Yeah, so that was really cool. It was really cool. It was nice. It was cool. It was a nice experience to like know that like I didn't even know those people and they had my back. Sure, sure. So well, you could, so you could just go super hard and you knew that people were gonna basically take care of you. 
I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure at that point I was like really drunk and I was just flailing around. Like I'm sure I looked like an asshole. But, That's fair. Uh, I yeah, I tried, you know, and then that happened. But then they saved me. And it, so, that That's was crazy. my one story. That was really cool. It was kind of simple. But you, but you essentially you just got hooked on it from there. It's like you just had this great experience yeah. and just kind of oh yeah got I'm into sure it. Obviously, like you know, with, with the powerlifting, it's like kind of the same in a way, different, probably a little bit, maybe a little bit more healthy or healthier. Sure. Well, that well that that's a good segue into the next question. Is you know how so then you know from there how did you get involved in powerlifting? I mean everybody's got kind of a, their, their powerlifting origin story, right? You know I had a creepy Russian guy see me squat and the rest was history. You know what what how did you get involved in the sport? Yeah, so um, so I ended up so after all those years or whatever, I ended up going to um, what did I do? Oh oh, so here's what happened. I hated my body. Like, I felt like shit. And I was, I remember my boyfriend at the time, I, like, looked at him and I was like, I look disgusting. I'm, like, bloated. I'm, all I'm eating is pizza and drinking beer all the time. I feel like shit. That catches up with you eventually. Yeah. (laughs) I hate working at the stupid dollar store. Like, I need a change. Like, at the time, I was working a shitty job, you know, Mm. just, like, just living for the weekend, you know. And, um, I, I was like, I gotta do something. So, I actually... I had talked to a lady who worked above the dollar store where I worked at, and she had actually invited me out to um, join a roller derby thing. Like, they had, like, a fresh meat thing where you, like, go for 10 weeks, and you just learn how to do it. And at the end, sure. if you like it, they'll throw you on the team kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, she actually... It's kind of like, it's like a roller derby boot camp, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I, on it, If it wasn't for that girl coming back almost every other day... and bugging me about it I don't think I would have done it because she like it was like the day before and she was like you're coming right you're coming and I was like uh okay I guess I am <laughs> I, I honestly don't think I, like if she had just asked me the one time like a two weeks before I probably wouldn't have gone and I'm glad I did obviously so sure. I did that I uh I ended up playing a little bit for two years so that was a really good like way and I like I said before, I never played sports and stuff, and I was never really athletic. But for some reason, you know, just the fact that I wanted to change, and I also needed something that was a little bit um, off the beaten cuff, I suppose, like not a typical, sure, like whatever sport. Like I wasn't really could, into couldn't be too mainstream, man. That doesn't go with the punks persona. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I didn't even get along with those people. <laughs> now, I believe. Um, I want to say Amber Lucy, she did roller derby as well, didn't she? She was another WPO lifter, yeah, I think she did. Yeah, she did. She still does, I think she still does her, like, rink stuff, or she does, like, some skate park stuff, which is really cool. I wish I I wish I wish could do that, but I wasn't that good. Yeah, she uh, she actually <laughs> just built, like, a rail or something. I was I was scrolling through Instagram last night, and she just built, like, something to do some of the tricks or whatever on. I, I can't even rollerblade, let alone roller skate, so couldn't uh, couldn't tell you what she's actually doing, but... So, so you're yeah, doing roller derby, no, and then what What kind of happens from there? Um, yeah, so I ended up doing that for a couple of years. I enjoyed it while I was doing it. I'd go to the practices, but even then it was like a segue thing. Like it, The roller derby scene at the time where I was wasn't really like athletic. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to go train at the gym. We're going to get stronger for roller derby. We're going to go eat right. Gotcha. We're going to go do our thing. It was like a mom league. It was like, it's all like, right, we're just going to meet up a couple times a week, and we're just going to go for beer after if you want, and then – you know, I'll see you next week. And then, like, you know, it wasn't even – it was good for what I – it was what I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. I think if it were any more athletic, I probably wouldn't have 
stuck with it. Sure. But, um, near the end of it, I did realize that I needed some extra kicks. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to the gym. Um, I ended up joining a gym with uh, my ex's mom at the time, actually. And then and it led me into the weight room, essentially, which is where I ended up finding um, out that I like lifting weight to yeah. lift weight. Um, so that, at that point, that's when I was like, okay, like, I really like doing this. I could see myself doing this for a while. Like, I started looking into schooling for this stuff. I ended up finding a school that did it. It was in Toronto. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was living in uh, a suburb outside still, so I ended up moving to Toronto to go to the school, which was uh, great. I did it for a year, and within that year, I was, I think a lot of people have the same story around my age, maybe where they, you know, usually will find things on YouTube or articles or websites like bodybuilding.com mm-hmm. or like, um, I found my stuff mostly on YouTube. I found I hate to say that I found it through CrossFit because I feel like a lot of people say that, but I kind of did. So I thought it was really cool. No, no, no shame in it. No, no shame at all because CrossFit is not a lot no, for for powerlifting. That's true. Yes, it is. So I I did find it kind of through that, but then through there I found power. Like I, I remember like YouTube and powerlifters, and I actually had found I think uh, Laura, Rita, and Candice mm-hmm. all, all at the time. Candice, uh, I don't remember. Oh my god, what's her last name now? But anyway, it was Coppola at the time, and she, they all, like, were, like, tattooed, they lifted heavy-ass shit, they mm-hmm. were super cool-looking, they were so strong, I couldn't believe it. So anyway, that's kind of, like, where it all started, and then I started researching gyms in Toronto, and I ended up finding, actually, on a, um, I think it's a blog, I actually, looked, I googled, like, powerlifting gyms in Toronto, and somebody had said, there's this gym called The Anvil, and this guy named Clint Harwood runs it, yep. and... It's a private gym, so just, like, email him and ask him if he can go. <laughs> so I emailed him, and he replied back and said, um, no problem, like, we lift on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. You're more than welcome to come out whenever you want. So I ended up going out. I don't know what day it was, uh, but I just, one of the things that I always remember is that the first day I showed up and had to knock on the door it was this strange, I had to crawl through, like, uh, two-foot, lane between a fence and a house in Toronto and the houses are close together to get to a backyard where there's nobody in the backyard and then there's a shed at the Not end of the Not sketchy back. at all. Garage. Dude, it was so, I was like, oh, I had my phone in my hand. I was like, <laughs> you've, got, you've got nine one, you're just waiting to hit the, the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I looked up like the anvil on YouTube and there were a couple of videos so I could kind of tell that I was in the right place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just this like garage door and as I'm getting close to it, I can hear the music and the, the like, the grown men inside, like, and the clanking of the weights and, like, all this shit and the music. I'm just, I just, like, I just knocked and I went in. They were really nice. They ended up being really awesome. I'm not going to lie. You're, you're, you're talking about clanking weights and music, and I'm thinking about that. Obviously, we've all been locked down. I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait to hear that sound again. <laughs> oh, my God. Me, too. It's going to be so great. So so you it's walk so in there. and what's What's your first impression when you walk into a place like that? I don't know. I was like, I'm just not going to talk until they talk to me, I guess. Like, oh, if they ask me, I'll answer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know what these men are like, you know. So, now they they were very helpful. Like, Clint is very well-spoken. He's super articulated. He's mm-hmm. very kind and um, super down to earth. And the guys there were always really nice to me. They were always very respectful. Like, 
never never gave off douchey vibes, never gave off like sure. I'm better than you guys, you know. Um the uh we like might have his rules and they were very um easy to follow and you know, one of them was, you know, we're strong enough to put the weights on the bar, we're strong enough to take the weights off the bar for you. So yes. That was always nice and reassuring for me, squatting, you know, well, 155 pounds at the time or something, mm-hmm. and then going, working up to somebody squatting 700 because we only had the one mono. Sure. Right, right. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got introduced to it in a way. Like, uh, Well, that was the way I got introduced to it officially. That was a big, big powerlifting in the face, but the best kind. Yes. So then so then you're training with this, this group of powerlifters. How does that then come to, hey, you know, we think you should do a meet yourself and maybe talk about your first meet experience? Sure. Um, so I guess I've been, at this point, I've been training there for about four months and I decided, uh, the thing with them is, I don't know if you guys say this. Oh, wait, I, I did listen to the entire podcast that you guys talked about with the when do you become a power lifter mm-hmm. debate. Um, and... At the time, and I still believe this, you, I think that you are a power lifter after you do your first meet. Once you get your first total, you Agreed. complete it. I so, <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. So I decided to pick meet, and I had it in my head I was going to be a power lifter. So I picked one, and I ended up doing it, I think, six months after I was there. Mm-hmm. And Clint, Clint came with me. He was my handler. Ever, like, they're so these guys are so awesome. Like I, I fell into the best lap I could have. Like that sounds weird, but I fell, <laughs> I fell into such a good community. It was so helpful. These guys were always at meets, judging, always around helping, always helping set up meets, like giving out the equipment from the anvil and stuff to his meet, like because we had calibrated plates. Like we're just always there to give help for free if somebody asks. And Clint came with me to my meet and helped me and handled me. And mind you, this is what Abe is still doing to me too. Like I try to really push that forward or give that forward or whatever. What's the saying? Mm-hmm. Pay it forward. <laughs> pay it forward. That's it. So I always try to pay it forward because they did it for me. Okay. Um, sure. Clint was there and I ended up, I don't know, squatting like 200 pounds. <laughs> I did like a 120 bench and 225 deadlift, but I, but it's a total. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. Around what year was this? Hmm? Around what year was this? Oh, uh, what year was this? This was 2014, maybe. Okay. okay. And I don't think we, we didn't ask. So how, how old are you, Chanel? Oh, I'm 28. 28. I'm 29 okay. next month. Oh, my okay. gosh. Young cat. Young yeah, ten years younger than me. <laughs> so, so you talk about your first meet. You had that experience, and and obviously enjoyed it enough to to come back. You know, now kind of fast forward. You know, what are, what are your best competition lifts? What are your best gym lifts? Uh, so my best lifts and multi plot are a five forty squat, a three forty five bench, mm-hmm. and a four seventy four deadlift. And were those all in the same um, meet, or were those all across different no. meets? No. So the bench was actually a bench only. Mm-hmm. My best bench in a full meet was like 330. Okay. Um, and the deadlift was just, uh, I, I actually have added, well, 
The deadlift was from the most recent WTO, mm-hmm. and the squat was actually from two years ago, unfortunately, okay. before before the accident. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to that, <laughs> the accident, the incident, as we will refer to it. But so so the you said the deadlift was at the latest WPO, the the semifinals in Columbus, correct? Yes, sir. Gotcha, gotcha. It must have been the superior spotting there. Give you the confidence for it. So what weight class were yes, all those sir. at? Or one forty eight. Okay, okay. Awesome. Now your all, first all was your first meet raw, and then at what point did you transition to equipped, or were you always equipped? Uh, I was not always equipped. The first meet was raw. I think the second meet was raw. And then at some point, somebody was like, hey, I've got this suit that belongs to my 13-year-old daughter. You want to try it on? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. So yeah. Oh, man. It was the best day of my life. I swear to God. I squatted 300 pounds that day, and I was on cloud nine. That's that's a high when you hit one of those those breakthrough numbers, right? Like th- I've always found that whenever I'm announcing, I talk about, you know, 402 501 six, you know 6 uh 600.7 you know those those numbers or those those breakthroughs are, are huge for people yeah it was it was fun it was it was like it was just awesome because i just i think at the time maybe just go for two so to just go from that to like 300 and feel the pressure and come back up with it and mm-hmm. just like rack it and oh man Woo! Oh, what a <laughs> what a great high seriously that's just uh, oh. i've i've done a lot of messed up stuff in my life and there's very few better highs than a a squat that should kill you and you just stand up with it it's pretty awesome oh it's the best it's the best <laughs> was that a geared crew mostly that you trained with uh was that the crew that i mostly trained with i said was that a geared yeah. crew was they did they mostly compete oh, equipped yeah. Yeah, okay. they were. They they'd all have yeah. They, at that point, because I guess before me, before like that time, they'd all been well. They were still kind of at this point. Like when I showed up at the anvil, some of them are trickling out of it. We're also still coming in and mostly just treating it like a social gathering. But it, in the best way possible, obviously helping spotting, loading, mm-hmm. um, and like lifting too, but not necessarily like for a meet constantly, right? So sure, right, they'd right. all had their share of multiply meets and stuff. And, um, yes, so they were all mostly, I think there were a couple of guys that would come and train, like they'd have people come and train for a few months at work or whatever, but the main core of the group did with and multiply. Yeah, because, I mean, at least I usually find that most of the time lifters don't just happen upon multiply powerlifting. It's normally like you happen upon a crew that trains that way. And then people just start giving you gear and say, here, try this on and let's see what happens. more, lift more. Yep. I I feel like I'm one of the few that's resisted that, like to this point, obviously I'm making the jump at some point, but I feel like I just, given that crew that I train with, it's uh, something I've resisted, but. Those goals are to be respected though, that you have before you get into the gear. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. So, so, you know, you talked about some of your best lists. What do, what would you consider some of your best accomplishments so far? Uh, whether again it's a certain number, you know, uh, me that you want or place that. You know, what are some of your best accomplishments so far uh, with powerlifting? Um, I a, few, a couple of years ago, 2016 and 2018, mm-hmm. I think I didn't do it the year in between. I put on two um, women's meets here. The first one oh. was a Halloween theme meet and. Mm-hmm. I think that one was my favorite, my personal favorite. This was my first, and um, I had over like thirty girls here. I wanted, it, honestly, I even had before that. I'd messaged. I, I at this point had done Laura's women's only meet mm-hmm. and stuff, and really, really loved them. So I really, I, I reached out to her and I was like, "Would you be okay if I did something similar here with the local girls, like on a almost like a beginner intermediate level, obviously?" And mm-hmm. she was totally. She took it well, obviously. So I went, I went ahead and did it. And, 
um, everybody, well, a lot of the girls ended up dressing up and had, it was all sanctioned and everything too. So these girls came out with singlets that were all, one girl was like Storm, another girl was like Bumblebee. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was so cool. And um, I did it at my old gym after in between the anvil there. I was also training at another gym called Fortis Fitness. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, run by Sean Kelly, who is like, do you know who Henry Rollins is? Yes. He's like the powerlifting version of Henry Rollins. Interesting. It's hmm. very interesting. Oh, and he's Westside certified, and he's just like insanely, insanely, like passionate about powerlifting. Okay. Awesome. I love yeah, that. So, anyway, so he runs that gym, and that's where we ended up having it and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, so that was one of them like those two meets that i i'd run were, were really that at least they really stood out to me sure. i yeah i was able to give back a little bit you know so that really was something special for me and then okay um yeah i don't know i guess that's well how about what's your uh, what's your favorite moment as a lifter then oh um like recently or just uh, overall? overall in general you know well, well, the one that sticks out in my mind is um, the first time I put my bench shirt back on, the one that I broke my arm in, and mm-hmm. I had, um, I still train with, I still train regularly with one of my training partners from the Anvil, um, and he was there the first time I put my bench shirt back on after I'd broken my arm after the WPC meet mm-hmm. in Chicago, um, and my boyfriend was there, and my training partners were there, and it was it was a good. It was a good night. So I think that one. Okay. That would be my my day or my lift or whatever. I don't really like the meets are fun and I, I love them and like sure like my lifts are awesome but like I don't know I, I like the journey. You bet. Okay. And, that, and that's actually sometimes part of the fun is just that you know you have that one number or that one in, you know thing that you eventually overcome and just that that joy is almost better than you know a total or a placing or anything like that. So that's uh I, and I think that's what I find about people that really last in the sport is it's. It's the journey itself, and it's all the little things uh, that really matter most. Versus, hey man, I finally you know bench press four hundred or whatever the you know whatever the case may be. So sure. Uh, so, gotta bring it up. Can you tell us about the twenty eighteen WPO finals? Because you had uh, you had a couple things go on there. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I set up my uh, my second squat a little too wide. Mm-hmm. And I felt it, and I knew it. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Let's do it live. Came down with it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, on the way up, I guess my knee just... Get, I haven't seen any of the videos yet, so I'm just going from memory here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my knee came in on the way up, and I screamed, the bar fell, uh, blew my ACL, yeah. went to the hospital, um, came back two hours later, or an hour later maybe, not even. I think the hospital hospital visit was very short. I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, came back. I decided to keep going. And so let's go back on. up. You blown out your ACL. Yeah, probably going to require <laughs> surgery. Same day you come back and you decide you're going to continue. Yeah. Um, to what could to go wrong? <laughs> well, to preface this, okay. So I like about three months. Before that, I had given up. Well, to press like to go even further, so I'll give you the scope of it. I guess mm-hmm. I had lost my mother about, um, I'd say seven or eight months before that. Sure. 
I was working a lot and I um, wanted to do something. I was in my mind. I'm like, I was thinking I'm young. I, I want to like experience things. I don't want to wait until I'm retired to go travel and stuff like that. So sure. I packed up all my shit. I quit my job. I put all my stuff in my friend's basement. God bless her art. She let me put all my shit in her basement for three, four months. And I fucked off to Cincinnati to go train with Laura and the girls out there. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Right. So so you went and you um, just basically said, I'm going to go somewhere and train. And the only thing I'm going to focus on is training. And you just went to the sweatshop and just that's all you did. I slept on Andy's couch. And God bless, like Andy is such a saint for letting me do that. And I, I tried to like, you know, I... Um, I made all the food. I did the groceries, but anyway, it was it was great. Like it was a really good experience. Sure. I highly recommend anybody out there listening if they think that they should go train with people that are better than them. They should. Yeah, I, I um, would second that. It will make you one hundred times better. And so anyway, so I did that, and that just so I guess if you want to fast forward at this point, I'm coming back from the hospital and my knee busted, and I've just given up all this time to train with these people and to, to be here. And there was no way I was just going to pack it in because my knee had a little owie. Why? <laughs> I, I wanted to try at least my opener. And I took a token bench. Uh, I was conservative. I, was, um, I think, I mean, I thought. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking my opener on my second, which I got. Mm-hmm. In your and shirt. Then. At that point, in my shirt, so I put my shirt on. And at that point, I was under the impression that I wasn't going to obviously deadlift much, probably just a plate, like a token deadlift, just to get a total, just to be like, all right, I did it. Mm-hmm. But, like, how cool would it have been if I had gotten a two-pound PR on my bench? Right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Right? Give it a shot, right? I mean, you're, you're, you know you're going for surgery soon anyway, so, you know, fuck it. It would have only been a 15-pound jump. And I knew that the 330 was hard, but I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll just groove better or something. Like, mm-hmm. ha-ha. Uh, yeah. So I ended up putting, like, 347, which would have been a two-pound PR or two-and-a-half-pound PR. It was just the one-up from that. And, right. Um, because my knee was screwed up, I had to kind of not tuck it back as much as I normally would. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the entire movement was shifted, I guess, and... Normally, my bench is not ugly, but this one was. And it obviously, the, the physics of it just did not work out in my favor. Mm-hmm. And then the breaking. I, I broke both bones um, in my forearm, in my left forearm, and um, went to the hospital and then got surgery the next day. So when you came back to the hospital and you've got your arm in, you know, a, a splint slash slings, you know, something makeshift. You've got your knee all bandaged up from when you were there previously. I, I just have to know, and, and obviously we can look back on this now and we can, you know, make make some light of it, but what did the doctors say when they saw you? Dude, I went to another hospital. I passed them <laughs> to another hospital. I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't lie. I fully, I, I, I told the ambulance guys, I was like, let's not go to this hospital. And he's like, well, the next one's about 30 minutes away. And I was like, Let's go. <laughs> and this is you're, you're from Canada, maybe at that time, maybe around Toronto, and this is down yeah. in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, 
hundreds of miles away from home. Yeah, and and even if you were you know training and living temporarily in Cincinnati, you're still hundreds of miles from home. Yeah, no doubt. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. I had I had insurance mm-hmm. and um, so that's good. And I never gotten an email. So mm-hmm. yeah, fingers crossed. So uh-huh. so just to follow up to that. So you you go to the the second hospital. They get you all you know prepped up. You said the, you said the next day you were in surgery. Yeah. So um, because we were supposed to leave the next day. Uh, I was like um, talking to the nurses and had just been pretty upfront, obviously saying, you know, I I live in Cincinnati right now, mm-hmm. uh, and I needed like my ride leaving tomorrow morning. So I guess they were they were able to push me up a bit. Otherwise, I would have been there for a couple of days. I think waiting because sure. it set my arm okay. And they set it, and I was just hanging out. And I guess I was in surgery by seven o'clock in the morning the next day, and out of the hospital by one thirty. Wow, that's. That's crazy. Did they do surgery on your knee as well, or was that saved for later? Or not at no, all? No, I never got surgery. I never got surgery on my knee. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know they don't always repair ACLs, especially if you're not like a basketball player. Yeah, sure, sure. So so you so you come to, you've, you've been operated on, you obviously got your arm in a you know big contraption like I had you know a few weeks ago. Um, what's, the, what's the first thing you thought of when, when you came, came out from, from under and being kind of, you know, punch drunk, basically? Oh, I don't know. Like, it's hard to to. It was it was defeating, obviously, but mm-hmm. also the um. I don't, maybe you you can attest to this, but the support that I got from the community was really awesome too. Yes. And the messages I got after and stuff were just just so like at least like they they helped. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think that's that was, probably one of the, the coolest things about the power of community is that every pretty much every injury that any of us experience, someone else already has. Yes, exactly. Actually, funny enough, my friend now, uh, who's also Canadian, um, had done the exact same thing to her other arm about like four or five months before me. So mm-hmm. as soon as after it happened, I was able to, I texted her and I said, yo, we're looking twins. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have been the only one to do two major injuries in one day. Yeah, that, that's you might have been the, the tippy top there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, go big or go home. Huh? So then, and, and with that, what's wrong with going home? I mean, your bed is at home, the booze <laughs> is at home, the animals are at home. There's nothing wrong with going home. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> so then you go you, big and then go home. There, yes, there we go. There go big and then go home. So you're, you've recovered from this, and then you decide, hey, you know, I, I certainly haven't had enough, so I want to come back to the U.S., or I don't know if you'd gone back to Canada by that point, I'm assuming yes, and then you decide, hey, I've recovered enough, and now I want to re-qualify for the WPO. So, so you come back to the States um, at our WPC Can-Am in last October. You know, maybe talk about what was the recovery like, what was the training like, you know, rehabbing two injuries at once. Um, yeah, so I actually had done the women's pro-am raw first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before I did the geared meet because I wanted, I just wanted to get into, a, I wanted to do a meet without the extra pressure, without the extra gear, without all that CNS stuff. Sure. Um, and and just get under a bar again and get in front of people again. So that was a, a meet that I obviously had felt very comfortable at and decided to do again. I do it every year. And, uh did that 
And I mean, I guess the, the process was slow, but I took my time. I didn't into that. rush myself. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't recommend rushing. You'll just probably get pissed off and want to stop. So mm-hmm. again, it's like anything. You got to enjoy. It. You have to try to find a way to enjoy the process because otherwise, you'll you'll probably have a bad time. <laughs> and you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. So that's kind of that was my mentality behind it. Um, so that's what I did, and then I just went slow, and I just added a little bit of weight every week, and then eventually I was able to get to sort of maybe closest to my old raw numbers. I actually ended up benching, um, I think, 205 raw at that meet, which was only about five or six months after. The funny thing is, is the bone being broken didn't scare me as much as the ligament, mm-hmm. or, yeah, like the ligament being torn, because the bones grow stronger, usually. Right. Um, especially under pressure, and with the plates in there, like, fuck it, I'm bionic now. The only problem is, is i got to worry about the other arm now. Like, right. I, I tell people if I break the other one, I'm fucking unstoppable after that. Basically, <laughs> I mean, a 1,000-pound bench is on, on tap at that point, so. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just do all of the bones. I'll be, I'll be just... <laughs> just go, go full Wolverine. I mean, it makes sense. Like go full Wolverine. You're, can, you're Canadian, so it works out. <laughs> yeah, I've got the health care. I can <laughs> Everything up. So, <laughs> which of the two injuries was harder to rehab? Then was it that ligament injury in the knee, or was it you know a full bone break from the arm? The knee, probably. Honestly, yeah. it's the one that still scared me because the essentially, like, I didn't get the surgery, and my, all of the muscles around that joint now are supporting the knee a little bit more. So mm, I have to sure. really focus on making sure that I don't like. Bring my like that, that my knees don't come in or anything when I squat. They don't normally, but uh, just something to be extra careful with now because I'm just a little bit more at risk, I suppose you could say. Sure. Well, I'll tell you now that yeah. now, now when I'm spotting you, that's like the first thing I'm going to say is open up, open up, open up. Make sure you never have your knees come in. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <geez. laughs> yeah. That's fine. You can say that. I yeah. usually, yeah, I, I've taken my squat stance in quite a bit actually since then. So mm-hmm. that's Gotcha, gotcha. So we've talked a little bit about training. Um, what does your training protocol kind of look like? Um, are you following a conjugate like uh, Laura Phelps does? Is that what you've always done? Have you kind of bounced around? Well, what do you have going on there? It's usually conjugate style. Uh, I don't – I usually have fun with my training. I usually just keep it pretty simple. I'll do my main exercise. I'll do something that I suck at or I'll do something that I haven't done in a while. I'll use my Instagram as sort of like a catalog. Like I'll, I'll just scroll back a couple of years and I'll see something in my regular off-season training and I'll just be like, oh, I haven't done this in a year. Let's see if I've gotten better at it. And I'll usually go by that and then work my accessories on where I failed or things that I'm lacking in or um, things I just haven't done in a while. Or um, I'll usually take like four or five accessories. I try not to kill myself. I, I do want to be in the sport for a long time, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't like killing myself. Some people love it, and that's fine. But I, I really just like sticking to four or five accessory movements. I usually do heavier movements on heavier days, and I'll do more like explosive speed, uh, high-volume exercises on speed days. Kind of keep it balanced a little in that way, and then I'll, I'll usually throw in an ab at the end, and... That's pretty much it until we go into a 
uh, meat prep mode, which is usually about like 10, 12, 10 or eight weeks out, depending. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have a system that's worked for me once really, really well. I developed it. Well, well me and Sean Kelly, the guy who runs that Fortis Fitness Gym out in Toronto, sat down and we figured it out. And I test ran it and it added 50, 60 pounds to my total or to my squat, sorry. And so I'd like to get back to that. But because after that, after that cycle, I ended up moving to Ohio and I learned a thing from Laura and the girls there and I just followed along. I just, what they said we were doing, I was doing. So that's sure. what I did there. Right. And that's what I did with me. So because I got injured there, I wasn't able to replicate that first program that I'd kind of set out for myself originally. Mm-hmm. Again, because at that point I was just, just do singles, just do straight weight, just the outfield, just get down there, don't fuck it up, don't add change, don't do anything weird, just get it down, get it up. <laughs> sure, sure, down and up, um, one one time, that's all I gotta do. Yeah, just one time, just, just, and then like, you know, take a break every couple of weeks or whatever, and then keep doing it that way, and that's what I did for the WPC meet. Um, which worked out. Uh, and so now that I'm kind of feeling better and I feel like I'm a bit more confident under the bar and I'm, well, I feel a lot better and I've done the WPO again and it went well and I I can actually start, I I feel like now I can actually maybe go back and revisit that sort of strategy that I want to maybe try again. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, but it's mostly, it's, it's like conjugate, it's conjugate style. Okay. So, you know, most of your competitions at this point are, are all international. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe help folks understand, you know, why travel and, you know, how does this change your game plan on meet day and kind of run up to me? Because it is different, you know, than just driving down the road to your, your local gym to go do a meet with another, you know, 50 lifters. A little different when you're coming to international meet. So kind of kind of explain kind of the difference in thought process and setup for that. Uh, I've only done like two or three Canadian meets because uh, – I always admired the the amount of gear that there was in the state, so mm-hmm. I always was drawn to it to begin with. Um, I guess the travel is just mostly, it's like any trip, really. You just think about, okay, where am I going to stay? I usually go for an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how much time do I need to cut weight? How much time do I need to be there before I have to go, like, make or weigh in? Mm-hmm. Um I usually don't cut like enough to where I need a sauna. I'll usually just do like a water load. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really crazy. Like I don't need like a gym with a sauna, blah, blah, blah. But typically because of the community that we're in, we kind of all, we can reach out to each other if we want, or we do know each other. So if I ever did anything, need anything, I'm sure like if I didn't need, like if I was coming to, you know, Illinois, I would, I would maybe reach out to one of you guys and say like, Hey, do you guys know a gym with a sauna? You know? So like, in situations like that, like sure. the powerlifting community is good for that. So for traveling, it's it's pretty it's a comfortable experience, I suppose. Gotcha, gotcha. So that so then I'm interested too. So is, is raw lifting much more prevalent than in uh, in Canada? Or yeah, yeah, it's, it's very prevalent. I think I don't even know how many. I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I don't think there's more than five people lifting. Uh, maybe 10 now because multiplayer is growing mm-hmm. lifting and equipment in Canada well, d- the top d- of my doubling head, the size it sounds like <laughs> think of. well yeah I mean it's, it's getting there because I, I know well Anthony's got a couple people out here I know on the other side of Canada so mm-hmm. that's two right there that's on top of my five but. 
That's so, crazy. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's really like gear lifting in Canada is pretty small right now. We've had some really good lifters. Like when we do have them, mm-hmm. they're good. Sure, like, sure. Allison Lockhart. Um, yep. Uh, Al Mihan. Yeah. Um, we've had Shane Church. Squat mm-hmm. thousand pounds like on on a dime. Um, we've had well Clint Harwood was has the biggest Canadian bench mm-hmm. still. Uh, I think I don't know if it's the I think it's the untested or the tested. Sorry. Okay. He was natural, so he he was able to bench up eight fifty nine, I believe. Jeez, it's wild. Yeah. So yeah, I know you and you and I were talking about. There's a very rich history up there that I don't think gets in a lot of notoriety. Is the the Canadian powerlifting history? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, we have what's his name um, in Montreal. Well, we had a gym that was. Apparently, this was before my time, but mm-hmm. Montreal Barbell was a big yes. multiply gym from what I hear. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and, uh, we used to hold well, yeah. our, our Canadian WPC president. Mm-hmm. I think he's since passed. I, I can't remember his name, but he used to Bruce hold. Bruce McIntyre, right? Yeah. Uh, no, not Bruce McIntyre. He's our, he, oh, no? He has not passed. No. Uh, he's still alive. There was a guy before Bruce. Oh, passed. Who used to run uh, actually the Can Am up in Canada? Yeah. A lot of our Chicago lifters used to go up to that. Some Rose used to up there too. A lot. Yes, and he held the WPC Worlds eh, in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, I remember. And there was a pretty big geared contingent up there in Canada for a while. Um, yeah. Gosh, his name will come to me later. But yeah, Eric Marosher, Bane, and I is, uh, both have been coached by him at various times. Mm-hmm. And he and the, the Marosher team used to head up to the Can-Am almost every year. Yeah, yeah, they, that was a big one. Eric's got a bunch of posters with, uh, you know, from, from Montreal and from, uh, I think there's another one from Madame in Vancouver. Not 100% yeah. on that, but. That's so cool. So you know Ross then, too? I've communicated with him, yes. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. know I wouldn't say I know him, but. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Know of him, maybe. <laughs> um, so, actually, Yael and her husband, Nathan, have taken over what is called Montreal Barbell now. So okay. they're working on making it bigger again. So that's okay. kind of exciting. Yeah. So you've been, you but, were at, you were at the return of the WPO. Any thoughts on, you know, how it has come back? It doesn't sound like you were necessarily around in its first incarnation mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, but sounds like you too, got too in, many funk shows that time. Yeah. You got involved <laughs> um, through the pro-am and at, at the 2018. So any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I mean, it's run really well. I love what Wayne and Michael have been able to accomplish with the production of it and the exposure that they've been able to give it. It's been fantastic for the lifters and for people who have just been interested in and have finally something to just showcase for and even people training. It's like it gives them something to aim for now. You know, it's not just like, oh, I guess I'll just train for this meet where I'll be the only lifter at the meet. Like, sure. Lifting in here, you know? So, um, I think it's great. I concur. I think it's a phenomenal thing is the WPO. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Especially as a geared lifter, you know, a lot of meets. I remember I was at a meet a number of years ago, our state meet, and mm-hmm. it was a flight of like 10 people and I was the only geared lifter. And so the squats literally went so fast that I would like, I was unwrapping my wraps and I'm like, oh, Stone, you're, you're in the hole again. I'm like, I just finished my last squat. Right. Like how much does a squat again? <laughs> Damn raw lifters. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's the same in Canada a lot of the times. Like for years there, um, well, for the couple of years that I was lifting here, it was just, I was the only good lifter there. If 
maybe, maybe if you were lucky, there was maybe one other person out of like a, a roster of 60 that day. And, uh, and it was never like another female. So it, it's been, it's been nice to see it grow. Yeah, no, I think I think it is on. It, I think it is on the comeback. Um, I was around in the early mid two thousands when geared lifting was all there was, and it was mm-hmm. really big. And it definitely raw lifting but was back on in my day. Yeah, that no no doubt. Uh, you know, raw lifting has definitely been on the uptick. But I think it's it's kind of bouncing back a little bit, especially I think with when you have a goal like the WPO. Now you have actually something for people to shoot for. Um, and I think you know Michael, like you said, has done a good job. Westside versus the world, I think certainly was a. It didn't hurt. A, a big catalyst because people were exposed to kind of that niche, mm-hmm. extreme version of powerlifting that attracts certain people, certainly, um, mm-hmm. and gives p- people a place to, you know, go beyond just lifting weights and another 400-pound squat. Yeah. No, yeah. No, nothing like exactly. that 424-pound world record squat at times. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, uh, that so that actually leads into uh, you know one of the things we ask a lot of the folks that we have on the show is you know what are your thoughts on the state of powerlifting and and you know I'd like to hear you know from your point of view both overall and then also in Canada specifically I mean obviously we said that you know uh, there's not a ton of equipped lifters but you know what what's your thought overall of the state of powerlifting and then you know in Canada what what are you seeing? Um, in Canada, it's well, in general, I guess it's good. Like the the state of powerlifting is good. I think it's it's coming, it's it's growing, which is good. It's mm-hmm. always I think it's always just growing a bit at a time. And I think um, with geared lifting, people are becoming a little bit more open minded to it. Mm-hmm. I've honestly never really given a shit what people thought about it. I used to lift at a gym that was all raw. I had to beg Sean to get a monolith. He finally got one. The only reason why he was like. Cause, you know, we've got these West Side guys come down here. We've got to have a bottle for them. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sure enough, I was the only one using it. So uh, the powerless thing is good. I don't really, I honestly don't pay attention to a lot of the raw side of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best answer we've ever got. Sure, it's doing great. Sure, it's fine. Don't give a shit. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. All I'm saying is we had our big meet and theirs got canceled in England. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the ride. Okay, I'm not oh. That was great. That was an awesome answer. <laughs> well, you've been even on the on the promoter end. It sounds like as well. So I don't know if yeah. that's something you so, still do, but you've kind of been on I, both sides I, of the coin now. So that I would love to do again. I just don't have the time really right now to do it. And it's a it's a production, obviously, as you know, Eric. And uh, like it it takes a lot of people, takes a village to get going. And um, I I love introducing people to powerlifting. I yes. love showing them how to like box squat. I love show. I love when the eyes light up. It's so awesome. Yes. So yes. to give people a platform like that, or to at least try to replicate something like. People here, like a lot of the listeners in Canada, don't know what it's like to go to a state, to a meet in the states. Like it's a different animal. It's totally like it's like it's like walking into a zoo with no cages, like in America. And then, that's like, that's not wrong. Canada, but it's awesome. Like, it's and that's crazy. just when you go to Walmart, let alone when you go to a meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So no, it's just, it's just awesome. So I I try to bring that back a little bit. So with the with the meet that I've done, it's like I really want to bring that energy, that even just a bit of that energy that I was able to feel at like the women's pro and stuff. Mm-hmm. These girls, 
who are just starting out and stuff for most of them. Um, to, oh, man, it's just, it's so rewarding. It's awesome. So that, that's been cool. And I, I do, I, I wish I could do another one because some of those girls just don't want to bother with these meets anymore. I feel like they're, but not obviously right now, but I feel like they've been a bit spread out and it's been harder to get, uh, we have, we actually have a national, we were supposed to have a national coming up, which was a kind of a big meet that a lot of the guys were going to, um, shoot for here, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of like the big meet. Sure. But apart from that, they're mostly just smaller meets. So, um, I don't know. I, yeah. So yeah, Canada's like cool, but like the States and the powerlifting there is like the shit. There you so. go. Well, I mean, if you guys ever need a hype man, I like to travel, so I'm just throwing it out there. You know, <laughs> y'all know where to find me. So you are, you are more than welcome. <laughs> I'll see if we need anybody for nationals. There we go. There we go. If and when it happens. But. So, uh, so changing gears a little bit, you know, this is another one that I, I really think is an important question we like to ask a lot of our our interviewees because you know, you, you've you've gotten to uh, I don't have a better term for it. You've kind of been to the promised land. You've been at the WPO, not just as a spectator, not as a part of the production crew like myself and Eric. You've been one of those on the platform. And that, to me, that is almost like hallowed ground. And, and so I, and I build that up for a reason, you know, because you've been there. You've now qualified for the Super Finals in October. You know, talk about, you know, your thoughts on winning, you know, what it takes to win, to progress, and, and how to move forward. Even, I mean, obviously, you've sustained what some would call catastrophic injuries and not only come back. But, I mean, you play seventh at the, su- at the semifinals. I mean, that's no mm-hmm. small feat. Talk about, you know, kind of how the thought process of, of winning and doing that. Uh, can I be honest with you, Bing? Yes, please. Don't lie to me. I know, I, I, I know where you live. <laughs> I, is it weird if I said that I don't care about winning? I just want to be better than I was? That's not weird. No, because that's fair. Because that's, that's, a, that's an approach that I think a lot of people forget about. Yeah, because, like, winning would be cool, but I don't care if I'm number one because I'm number one in my <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I, um, You're number one in our I hearts. Find, yes, I'm number one in my house. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean, it would be cool. I just, I think if it happened, I'd be like, fuck yeah, this is sick, mm-hmm. great. Um, uh, I, I find a lot of reward in, in the, the, the process of coming back, and I've added it wasn't until my boyfriend said this because I actually uh, I don't pay attention to my total number a mm-hmm. lot. I just like my lifts because they're my lifts and those are kind of my babies. Mm-hmm. My total is just like a total to me. It's just a number. I don't know why. Um, sure. But he told me that I've added twenty seven pounds to my total, and that was that was kind of cool to hear since the injury. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I have some numbers in my head that I would like to get, and those are my goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, those mm-hmm. are what I'm kind of trying to strive for in that involve the training that's um going to happen obviously mm-hmm. hopefully soon um leading up to the meet and i think the reward from being self-disciplined enough to keep going and to keep doing it and to do it even if it sucks and find the things that suck and make them better is even if i i hope i don't bomb but even if something like that happens it's like i hope that i can still remember that those things are more valuable than than the first prize that we'll maybe forget about in five years, sure. ten years. Sure. You know? Well, that makes sense. I feel like that would last a lot longer. But that makes sense. Fair. It'd be cool to win, but... Well, of course. That's sure. not my main drive. My main drive is just to 
to challenge myself in my own mind and mm-hmm. see how far yeah. I can push myself. Sure. You bet. You bet. I like that. So again, maybe switching gears a little bit, but you're an equipped lifter. Kind of everybody's always got their preferences on what they use. You talked about how you had the bench shirt that you used when you broke your arm that you're able to reuse again, which is is definitely something. Yeah. Um, what kind of what kind of equipment do you use? Do you, you know, are you a single brand kind of person, or you know, do you shop around? Maybe talk about that a little bit as far as suits, shirts, all that kind of good stuff. So I mostly just use Inzer now. Mm-hmm. I've been able to wear a OG Leviathan for all of my career in multiply. Um, I've just loved it. I don't know. I've never really tried anything else. I've never really had to. I've just always, I've kind of been under the impression that if you are to get a shirt or a suit, maybe it's because I'm, I can't afford to just buy a bunch of new stuff and just try a bunch of new stuff. And I, I guess I just take it and I run with it until it works. So I'll acquire something. I've had like my SVP. I bought that off of a friend. Um, and I've just been running that mm-hmm. um, for multiply anyway. And that's been mm-hmm. working out for me. I've, I've been able to learn it. So uh, Inzer is the basis of everything that I've had just almost by default. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It, now, how hard is it to get equipment up in Canada? Is it challenging to get it from Inzer? Are there Canadian distributors? Or are you, you know, like you said, getting it from, you know, uh, Facebook Marketplace from the States? Yeah. Or how usually do you guys do that? So sometimes, like, you know people who know people, and there are people at West who have old gear, who were lifting in gear and blah, blah, blah. So there's that type of communication i think there's one website it's um inner inner strength sports products mm-hmm. or something i think they sell they sell canadian um so you're able to get it faster but i can order from Inzer if i want it just might take a little bit longer sure yeah gotcha gotcha so you know a couple of things I, I always like to talk to people about and this is usually i do this kind of offline but i, I think it's an important one because you know, you've got a, a really interesting story. You're, I would say, probably non-traditional when it comes to most powerlifters. You didn't necessarily have a ton of sports background. You got into the sport as basically a – you got into lifting just as a, hey, I just want to feel healthy, right? And then it progressed from there. You know, th- thinking long-term, what do you want your impact or what do you want people to remember Chanel for? Like, what what is it that you want to, to be remembered about? Um, I know it's that deep question, right? <laughs> It's a deep one. Uh, <laughs> I would love people to just remember me as um, somebody who, um, I guess, I don't know. I never, I, I didn't give up. You know, I just, I, I'm able to come back. And if there's anything to learn from it, it's like if something happens to you, like you can come back. It's, it's mindset. It's how how you plan it out. Um, and I think if hopefully people remember me from maybe helping people. I don't know. I, sure. I do enjoy, I love the group that I lift with and stuff. And I really hope that like I am able to give them what the guys at the anvil gave me mm-hmm. that I remember them fondly for. You bet. So, That's, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's no awesome. doubt. Agree. And I'll tell you, I uh, I actually was not aware uh, that you were the one who got hurt at the WPO, the 2018 uh, version, uh, until you and I started talking. And I mentioned to Eric that you know we wanted to have you on the show. 
uh, given you know the injury I recently sustained, uh, knowing that you were a fighter like that actually was uh, was a big part to me uh, because I needed to find people that were like that. And so I do just want to say uh, personally thank you uh, for being a fighter and for not giving up because it would have been very easy for you too after two big ass injuries in the same day, same <laughs> in the same day. So uh, I need to personally say thank you for not giving up. Well, that, that you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm really good at making girls cry. I don't know why, but. <laughs> well, now, now, now it's your time to be punk rock and show us what the fuck you got. Yeah, that's what they keep saying. So, uh, Anything you know, else you'd like to add, yeah. Chanel, that we haven't covered? Um, I would like to add that I didn't let them cut my shirt off because they'd already cut my fucking suit off after. <laughs> oh, I love that story. <laughs> I was in the hospital bed and I was like, we're taking this off the right way. <laughs> Just straight in the arm, I'll be fine. It's funny because uh, years and years ago, this is probably 15 years ago, I had a meet where a guy blew his knee out in the warm-up room and I remember them using the giant scissors to cut off yeah, his OG Leviathan canvas. And I'm like, oh, man, there goes like $300 <laughs> out the window with yeah. his canvas and his briefs. Actually, probably more than that. Yeah, He, he wasn't happy about that. Bucks right there, he man. wasn't happy. Yeah. I wouldn't have been either because insurance ain't covering that. No, they don't give a shit about your, your squat suits. <laughs> so with two broken bones in your forearm, you had them pull off your bench shirts. Fuck yeah, dude. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> no hesitation there either. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, this dude is ripped off. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Chanel, thank you so much. It's, it has been a pleasure. It has been awesome getting to know you even a little better. And, uh, and just thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being you and being a fucking fighter. Oh, dude, thank you so much for having me. And, like, thank you for giving me a little bit of, uh, like to talk a little bit about my background. I'm not used to it. So one of the things actually I, I do want to add is I'm um, really scared of almost like, like public speaking sort of. So mm-hmm. this was uh, something else to do to get out of my comfort zone. So I thank you. Oh, awesome. I, I, or I should say Bain and I mm-hmm. both enjoy kind of hearing people's stories. So it's always interesting, especially when you've got kind of that unique twist of yours where it's like, Hey, you know, you've got the double catastrophic injury, mm-hmm leading back into success, I would say. So yeah, for sure. Fuck the yeah, system, right? <laughs> onto onto bigger and better totals, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um social media, that kind of stuff. Where can people find you if they want to follow your training or anything else that you do? Um, I mostly am just active on Instagram, uh, at Chanel Nolay. Okay. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm not And that means we have screwed up your last name the couple times we've said it, so I apologize. It's Nolay. It's, it's either way. It's fine. I'm not going to be just the thug American and say it the way I want to. I want to say it right. Dang it. Chanel Noel. No lay. No lay. Okay. No Because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Bane and I might be announcing at some point when you're lifting, so we'll try to get that right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's fine. So that's why I say it's like it's either one, but no lay is usually how I say it. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, very good. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>